Hello and welcome to The Landed Podcast. I'm John Montgomery, co-founder of Landed, a travel company specializing in tailor-made journeys throughout Latin America and the Antarctic. At Landed, we're devoted to exploring these regions, searching out exceptional experiences and locations for our clients. The Landed Podcast profiles some of our favorite places and brings you conversations with friends we've made along the way, explorers, artists, and visionaries. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Gabriel Saragovia is the founder of Rio Perdido, a riverside lodge in Costa Rica's Guanacaste province. Gabo was born in Colombia in the mid-1970s. In the early 80s, his family escaped the turmoil of his home country, settling in the southwestern U.S. He completed his schooling at Duke, where he studied art and biology. On a vacation trip with his father, he fell in love with the -the off-the-beaten-path backroads of Costa Rica. In 2008, he first encountered Rio Perdido's magical location, a cliff overlooking the confluence of a cool river, a waterfall, and a thermal river, with the Miravais volcano in the distance. He quickly set to work on a plan to acquire and protect this slice of heaven. Rio Perdido opened in stages in 2012 and 2014 after six years of design, permitting, and construction efforts. In a country already devoted to ecological conservation, Gabo is a pioneer in environmental protection and innovation. Rio Perdido was among the first hotels in Costa Rica entirely powered by hydroelectricity. Gabo has helped advance the model of ecological conservation in partnership with tourism and community development. Along the way, he's helped to guide Costa Rican policymakers toward changes that simultaneously increase efficiency and environmental protections. Gabo lives outside San Jose with his wife Priscilla, and they're the parents of two next-generation adventurers, Ari and Gael. He's a great storyteller, an avid mountain biker, and a passionate advocate for sustainable tourism. Gabriel Saragovia, it's been too long, man. John, it's always really nice to catch up with you. Always. When I think of being with you, two strong impressions come to mind. One is racing through the trees on bikes at Rio Perdido, and the other is the the first time we had a real conversation, which was on the Australis right. in Punta Arenas, headed toward the Chilean fjords. Right, right. I was just rehashing those stories to, to my two boys about... Right. Y- you and I have a few adventures to catch up on. We've been, uh, we've been delayed. A dream deferred, as they say. So, um, Hopefully there'll be plenty of time for that. Your family is originally Colombian. Is that right? It's it's not quite that simple. My father was born in Colombia, but his parents were uh, basically refugees and um, coming out of, of North Eastern and Eastern Europe in hmm. in the 30s. And my mother's situation is also uh, similar, but uh, their family migrated originally to Uruguay. So I am second generation South American born in Colombia. Great. You, you you had to leave Colombia. Things were complicated in the early 80s. And I think from there you went on to where? To Florida? First Florida, then um, a little bit later in the Carolinas, uh, a few months in, in Italy uh, towards the end of my studies where I fell in love with a lot of things over there. And I've now been in Costa Rica for uh, 21, 20, 21 years. Okay, and your dad had connections to tourism in in 
Costa Rica. Right. Uh, in the early 90s, he came uh, to visit a, a high school, uh, a college friend, I'm sorry, and uh, a close friend who was an architect as well. They had studied together. And uh, he, his friend took him around the country, and my father was very happy with, with what he saw and uh, got my father involved in, in what today is known as Tabacón Resort. Yeah, this is was, one of the classic... Uh, you know, the sort of the f first wave or second wave of real international Costa Rican tourism. A thermal right. spring hotel just outside of La Fortuna with the then active Arenal volcano in the background. Yeah, it was making daily eruptions. <laughs> so you, you got involved in, in working at this hotel? Well, you know, while I was in, in college in the 90s, I, uh, I wasn't too involved. I was involved from afar. And then uh, out of college, I, I, I did a couple of um, interesting job stints in, in Florida. And, and the second one was in, in tourism, but not yet with any of the family projects. And that actually was what really started me in tourism. You saw the potential. I, I, I just learned. I became a student of, of, of tourism. It's not a business that, that is taught. I don't right? think so. It, it's, it's something right. that you and I and others like us, we had other career paths. Right, and, totally. and but, the, but something about the freedom of it, the creativity that was still available, appealed to us, right? Correct, correct, correct. So you, t you worked in tourism for a couple of years in Florida. Your father had a connection to a sort of a classic hotel in, in one of the tourist hotspots in Costa Rica. And what, eventually you decided to move to Costa Rica and, and see what you could make of it? After being, after working in the industry in Florida, I wanted something a little bit more hands-on. And as I mentioned before, maybe a place where, where I could take my love for, for travel and tourism, that, that natural love, uh, mix it with the, you know, the things that I had learned, not just in college, but through my life, whether it was in, you know, in, in some type of creative expression in the, in the general arts, uh, but also in the taught sciences. And uh, I think Costa Rica could offer me that canvas. I, I wonder if you had come for family vacations and done some exploring on your own before you made that choice. I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, again, my father uh, had gotten to know Costa Rica in the early 90s. In 1993, he made a wonderful decision to take myself and also a good friend of his and my best friend, who was his friend's son. I, I, it was a, a father and son trip with my best friend. Right. And we came, we came here in, in 1993. And we saw a, a really uh, good portion of the country in a short time, mm -hmm. exactly with that, what I advise people not to do, but, but I actually uh, appreciate it because otherwise I wouldn't have seen so many different places and gotten this first greatest hits view of Costa Rica, mm -hmm. uh, which turned out not to be the greatest hits. Like once you get to another country, you're like, whoa, I have you know, countless destinations in this country that are completely sure. off that are completely off the beaten path, that all these people that rave about Costa Rica don't even have a clue that exists. 
I have a special softness for San Gerardo de Dota. Oh, but nobody <laughs> can't get anyone to go. Oh, it's so beautiful. And we've always thought about that. We've always thought how there's like, you know, four hotels that you can choose from in the entire area, which is wonderful because mm -hmm. it means it's been kept small. Uh, but that you tell me that it's hard to convince people, I believe it because, and I hope this doesn't come off in a bad way, but you don't even hear English there. Like most of the people, you're a, a, an amazing exception to the rule, but you know, you tend to hear more European languages mm -hmm. coming from there. And I know that England is in Europe, but that's, uh, it sounds very different than American <laughs> English. So when you're out there, you don't really hear Americans. And well, I, I am American. I consider myself American, obviously. And I, I love my American friends. Um, when you get to a place and you don't hear American English at the very beginning, uh, again, this is going to sound horrible, but it usually is a good sign. If you go to a sushi restaurant and everyone eating there is, is Japanese, yes, well, that's probably good. a sign that this food good is, is going to be a good experience. Great so. analogy. My favorite Korean spot here in San Jose in Costa Rica, like there are times that when you go inside and you know that every single person sitting down there is from like Seoul, is yeah. South Korean. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's, you're like, you're in the right place. All right. So you, you had this grand adventure with your, your best friend, with the two dads. And you, it, something about Costa Rica stuck with you. Not just yeah. the family connection. There was more than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of things here pulled at my heart. You know how they're always talking about how there's uh, blue zones? Yeah. And it's a great concept, but obviously there's yeah. a lot more than seven blue zones in the world. I mean, there's a lot mm -hmm. of places in the world where every element that a human being needs for wellness is in line. And we can, we can talk about that later because that's a subject that really is passionate for me. Yeah, it's more than uh, the water. It's much more. It's more uh, much more about about purpose, about family, right. about you know feeling like you're needed. Um, well, the water and the air are definitely essential. Sure. But as you're but as you're saying, uh, to to get the social aspects of it. To get if you ain't got love, you ain't gonna live to be. That's the, yeah. that is so primary, and it's true. And that's where we're all mostly lacking because. Uh, you know, uh, Manhattan uh, residents are always talking about Manhattan's finest, which generally now refers to the water. They yeah. talk about their shale filtered, naturally yeah. filtered water the best. It's good. But where New York usually lacks uh, is on these interactions with nature and like chill social environments. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have that here in Costa Rica, you know, plus if you're in those blue zones, plus the clean air and the clean water. I, I got to live in one of the blue zones for three years, Okinawa. Beautiful. But uh, you, you're living in, are you living in Guanacaste now? Or are you in Escasu? Where are you? I, I am not in a Costa Rican blue zone. I am in, I'm near the capital. Okay. And I'm mainly here because uh, my children are getting a, school. an amazing education at a, at a couple of schools here. Yeah. And the truth is that the few sacrifices that you actually have to make when you come live in a country that's south of the border, um, the few sacrifices that you make turn out not to actually be sacrifices. When you realize that what you consider to be sacrifices were things that you absolutely did not need. Mm. That was the main problem. You have two sons. Yep. You're married. To a wonderful Costa Rican. And when you said the things that drew me here, I said there's various things that drew me. Costa Rica. Priscilla's family's from, from where? 
Yeah, she, she's a Costa Rican, a couple of generations. Well, her mom was born in Nicaragua, and her like great grandmother on that side was. Uh, their their grandparents were, I, I guess, Spanish French, or a big mix. You know what we like to very eloquently call mutts. I'm a Kentucky and Idaho mix. It's uh, uh, yeah. it's probably not too pretty on paper, but I, uh, I enjoy sure. I enjoy my background. I enjoy my history. Yeah. Well. Hopefully we're brothers somewhere, not too far in the past. Well, closer or further, we're brothers. Now, your love of Costa Rica, it's based on comparison, too. I mean, you, you've been all over Europe, Switzerland, Norway, Italy. I know you've been all over South America. Um, but the area where your hotel is based, where Rio Perdido is, where you found this land, one of the top five most beautiful places you yeah, found? For me, for me, yes. For me, it's so crazy to think that I get to work and create with an amazing group of people and operate and provide, you know, produce like, like a, it's a product that people are experiencing uh, in a place that I certainly consider one of the top most beautiful places in the world. So let's set the stage for people. People, when they come to Costa Rica, either generally are coming from an international airport, Liberia in the north, in the Guanacaste region, or San Jose, Central Valley. The north tends to be drier, right? It's more dry forest, temperate, and it's actually uh, it's more really, savanna even. Right. It, like when people arrive to this particular area that is not uh, very well... Um, known by by even local tourism yeah they don't really know the area that well it's a very dry rocky and i think i've told you this in our previous conversations um, over you know a table uh that a lot of people from your area from utah idaho colorado when they get to that part of the country and come into rio perdido they're like whoa this is like a tropical utah yeah yeah and that is probably the best way to describe it. It reminds me of Texas. Parts of it remind me of East Africa. The coast, of course, feels like a natural, you know, it's not unexpected in Central America. It feels like Nicaragua. It feels like, right. well, what it is, part of Costa Rica. But, yeah. but the interior, where you've got these Sabanero cowboys herding these zebu cattle, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a surprise to most people. And when we leave Liberia, most people head straight for the coast. But instead, to get to your place, we would head inland. We would head towards the Cordillera. And near a town called Bagasis, right. uh, where there's a pretty famous waterfall, we get yep. into some pretty rural area with, in the distance, several large volcanoes. Did you come here first on, on sort of another adventure? Were you biking in this area or just exploring? When you just go out on a weekly or, or every, a weekly basis or every two weeks, you really start to get to know the country. We would, uh, you know, we quickly, I quickly saw the country, its touristic spots within the first few visits. But then later, I really started to get out there. Uh, on, on, on rare occasions by myself. And then eventually with 
with friends, with professionals, like, you know, guides that are actually really, really good. How long did it take you to find what you found, which is so special? One day, by chance, uh, I was with a, uh, a gentleman named Hugo Ribadeneira, kind of like this very f- interesting and funny hermit uh, with a family in Arizona, but he was spending a lot of time on his own on the skirts of the Miravalles volcano, which even though it's the tallest geo- geological part of, of the entire province of Guanacaste, is really not well known at all. No, It's very beautiful, but it's not well known. And here you have this American Greek guy living at the base of this thing. So it was, it was inc- incredible to see this totally unique place with, a, with this beautiful thermal river flowing at the base. All right, so let's, let's talk about the river. This is your land sits on a riverside, a canyon edge. Let's call it a, I don't know if it's a bluff or a cliff, but overlooking a black granite canyon with clear blue, almost sometimes green water in it, just a perfect river. And it's right at the junction of another river, a thermal river heated by the volcano. That is very good. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember we were in the car with Hugo, uh, Mr. Hugo Rivadeneira, and we were going down the, this really bad trail to this one spot that is very close to the convergence of these three rivers. So the, the, the cold river, the hot river, and then there's the Juro waterfall right in the same spot. And, we're, and I'm looking at this like hole that is like this union of these small but profound canyons uh, and it just it was so beautiful and so different and not only different from for Costa Rica for, but different from anything I'd ever seen quite you know and it was so cool and then we got to go to the hot river we got to go to the hot river and when the when Hugo said the hot river I was thinking you know it's probably like I don't know 28 degrees Celsius you know or 29 degrees Celsius just a tad beyond room temperature Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's kind of common in Costa Rica. So going down this hill, I see this pristine, gorgeous river that would be beautiful if it was a cold. I mean, it would be it's a beautiful river. It has, you know, it's just even if it didn't have hot water, it would stand out. So we get to the bottom and I put my hand in the water and I'm just like, what? It was, you know, 40 degrees Celsius. Wow. Which which is like 104, 105 ish. Uh, coming out of the canyon, I, I thought to myself that how can how can a place and this speaks I guess very well of Costa Rica, how can a place this beautiful not be a national park? Yes, right. Right in the U.S., I've seen such beautiful places, but most of them are parkland in one way or another. But there's something so special about it. You thought to yourself, maybe it was this: how can this not have been discovered, and how can it not already be protected? Right, right. That's it. That's it. It's like, yes, it's, it's owned by people. And yes, they know it's, it's pretty, but like, how are they not? And this is not what we want, but you think to yourself, when you have a place like this, how is there not like, you know, 30 people in the rivers? Yeah. How hasn't it been maybe, maybe ruined or, or misused or. Right. Right. And it's such a, it's so refreshing. Every time I see that the world is a big place. 
So obviously there's still a lot of amazing, amazing places that are to be discovered. To, to open this place, to, to make it accessible and appreciated by the wider world, you've put together a project people can enjoy for a day or a week. It's pretty light on the land. It's got some, some serious sustainability chops. Why don't you walk us through the project? What is Rio Perdido to a visitor now? I, I, I like the way you asked it. And I, in general, your description is, is, is perfect because it makes me think that we did exactly that. We wanted to bring it, we wanted to bring it to the world in a very sustainable way and make it safe and make it very comfortable, but not too comfortable. You can't, once you make a place way too comfortable so that you can literally go everywhere in a golf cart, you, you also kind of ruin it. I mean, Rio Perdido is pretty comfortable. So how am I earning that? Well, you know, you know, there are trails that are shorter and more accessible, but like 90 plus percent of the people that come are doing the rugged trails. They're, they're jogging and hiking and walking. Some of them, we've had people train for ultra marathons yeah. and we have a 25 kilo, uh, kilometer circuit that they'll do twice in a day. So we have all sorts of people. And I think the people that are coming to us, fortunately, uh, don't want to be spoon fed everything. And yeah. also they want, they want their food to be the same. They want their food to be beautiful and natural. We, we love to feed people and we're getting amazing, uh, amazing ingredients, uh, but we're not really like making it so that they're easy for you to grab with your fingers. We don't care about that. We want people to come and see a plate of beautiful, fresh, ideally organic food sitting before them and that they actually have to like cut things and, and mix it with the others. And, yeah. you know, there's an element of, of consciousness uh, in, in everything that you're doing there. So when I say not easy or, or not too comfortable, maybe it comes off wrong. Uh, I think, I think you're giving people an experience where they can be active, where they can m maybe do even some things that they hadn't thought they would do or weren't sure about. They leave yeah. with some, some sense of accomplishment for some of the things they've been able to dare themselves to do or push themselves to try. But you've, you've nourished them too. Maybe a portion of the challenge for Rio Perdido is that it's not on the beaten path. I mean, if I leave Liberia, yeah. uh, it, there's a gap of, I don't know, an hour and a half maybe on the road before I reach you. And then the next major touristic spot is maybe what? I, I mean, Rio Celeste, Arenal, Rincón de la Vieja. There's not a, a lot around you. This is a pretty wide open part of Costa Rica. Right. Again, because even though we're you know, geographically between areas that are well known, remember that in Costa Rica, there's no really, there's no real direct line anywhere. No. So, so the traffic kind of goes around us and the closest road is, you know, close to 20 kilometers away. The closest, when I say closest road, I'm talking about roads with, you know, constant flow of movement of traffic where you don't, you don't even hear planes flying overhead, which is very rare to not be in any uh, like flight path. It's rare and wonderful. Uh, people don't, they're not used to it. Well, 
it's it's restorative. Yes, you are giving up some convenience, but the rooms are super comfortable. You're yeah. nourishing people's bodies and their their souls, maybe giving them the chance to try and accomplish something that they weren't sure they could do or weren't sure they wanted to do. I'm talking about your zip lines and your Tarzan swing and and the river rafting and things like that. No, let's let's appeal to the comforts that are truly worthwhile. It's that we've often have a, a, a very fixed conception of what comfort is and what we want to be comfortable. But if we place a lot of uh, attention to detail in comforts that may be more important in the end, and not so much to comforts that are should not even be considered comforts, uh, then we will be able to be to better enjoy a place and absorb that stimulus that is that is most that is most meaningful. Yeah, the rooms are well designed, they're well spaced. They're it's a pleasure to be there. It's no hardship at all. Um, they're they're light on the land. Um, you're set in nature. You've got tropical dry forest all around you. The main lodge, great food, nice views, pool, spa. And access to this trail system and these rivers where you can do things like you have a carbon fiber zip line. You know what? You know what? It actually is not that uncommon now. But when we first installed them, yeah. we, we, we were definitely the first in the Americas. And, and we know this because the provider of that product uh, is, a, is a company out of France. And they came to Costa Rica to offer it to us. And it was approved by all these amazing uh, associations. We weren't really like, obviously you're not going to like put to test uh, a zip line because a human's life depends on it. So these things were actually approved, but nobody was using them because people are afraid of change. Even if the approvals are amazing. And if this thing is like, doesn't look like what I've seen. Yeah. Right. Significantly stronger than steel doesn't conduct electricity. So you can even go in a thunder shower. Um, not that we do that, but you could, uh, it doesn't make noise. So when the pulley goes across this yeah. carbon fiber, uh, it's not making noise. And that's another thing we take for granted. We're in Costa Rica and a lot of these steel uh, zip lines make this not only a lot of noise, a but scream. particular, it's a high pitched kind of noise plus it, the screams, plus the screams of the humans on them. And you're scaring away every animal. But yeah. in reality, we have people screaming in our zip lines and we notice that because the zip lines are not made of steel and the pulley is not emitting a high pitched sound, uh, we, we notice the, the birds like maintaining their perch. They're not flying away mm. and the monkeys are there and we've seen porcupines and, and river otters, which is something that I did not even know existed in Costa Rica until, until I saw it. First time I ever got to see the Puerco Espinar, right? <laughs> is it your place? Nice. We have a video on YouTube of us yeah. with our kids loving your lazy river inner tube situation. And we come around a corner and sure enough, there's a little porcupine having a drink. My kids started yelling, you know, ridiculous things like, he's going to pop the inner tubes. And you know, <laughs> no, That's awesome. just leave That's him awesome. alone. <laughs> Let him, let's just enjoy the fact that we got to encounter him and move on. That's wonderful. Um, but so that, that particular species is called Sfigurus mexicanus. He was kind of a yellowy green. Am I crazy yeah. for thinking it was yellowy green? Uh, 
they actually vary in color and i think it depends on that the also light. on what's what's and also what's growing on them yeah if i'm coming to costa rica is rio perdido the kind of place that i come on my first trip or is this a second or third trip destination you know that's the first time somebody's ever asked me that and it's a great great question <laughs> i am a lover of off the path uh, adventure, whether it's light or heavy, I really like it all. But I also love, you know, my wife is not into like extreme tourism and we, and we travel the world beautifully. And for a person with my personality and for a person with my wife's personality, which are very different, uh, I think Rio Perdido would be amazing. Um, let's say I'm a, a family with teenage kids. The kids are old enough they can participate or, or if I'm a couple, how many days would you recommend somebody stay? <laughs> Here's another difficult question. So certain Europeans uh, will be happy to stay a week. Yeah. And I got to tell you, our longest stay is a Canadian couple that stayed like 30 days, 28 days. And we've had several, you know, two and three week stays. Uh, and those, I got to tell you, those are the people that leave with the best experience. The ones that, that leave and say, you, you changed me. And when they say, and that's a collective you, like this place, your people, everybody, everything changed us. It's very difficult for me when I travel to get into a relaxed sense of absorption and tolerance and relaxation. Yeah. And once you reach that level of, of conscience and, and just being in the moment, which is so hard for me and for so many, for most people, that live in the first world, in the developed world, it's so hard to attain. And it's going to be much harder if you don't give yourself the time and space to do so. It's common that we'll put the trip part of the the itinerary first and the vacation second, because we we get a sense that it's going to take a few days to decompress and get into the vacation mode, right. vacation yeah. frame of mind yeah. before they can really get the get the relaxation they need that's that's for me that's the smartest thing to do when you travel and that's not something i've known always i mean i i grew up in the u.s i think what i'm hearing from you not only is that you feel yourself a steward of the land but you also feel a sense of stewardship for people's time who come oh, totally uh, i want to go out there and you know i have this natural need to go out there and just tell people hey what you're going to see in the next few hours in this particular walk, I don't know if we're going to see cats like pumas and ocelots, probably not. And we'd be lucky to see tamanduas, you know, the, the anteaters and mm -hmm. the sfigurus that you mentioned earlier, the porcupine. But maybe we won't see them. I don't know. We're probably going to see at least two species of monkeys. But the important thing is that you keep your eyes open and just start to think about what you're seeing, what you're smelling, which is amazing, especially this time of the year. And uh, just all these things. And if, you, and if you are conscious of that and try to, in one minuscule way, get back to your animal instincts is there. And if we can get there, man, the stimulus is so beautiful and so changing that, again, it justifies me getting away from my family for a little bit just to be able to do that. We started off with 230 acres. Then uh, within a, a couple of years, we were at 600 acres. And as of this uh, January, we now have 1,500 acres, which 
you know, land in Costa Rica is almost U.S. expensive. How do you justify nowadays buying that much land? Well, you make sure that the business side of it is kind of justifying it. And there might be a point where you might want to get financing for more land than the, than the business can justify. And then you become a, like a national park. <laughs> yeah. To care about the social, the environmental and the business side of things, it seems a necessary balance. It is necessary. And guess what? It is absolutely economically justifiable. One other concept I wanted to, to explore with you is this idea of, well, you're, you're calling it, you're calling it passive wellness. And I think what you mean is that, is that even if you're not coming for a wellness stay, the benefits are so pervasive that wellness is a result of your stay. Right. It's basically that. Uh, it's, it's funny to, to hear people say that, hey, um, we're just leaving Rio Perdido. We've been here four days. And I feel so good. I'm like, yep, yep. That's what it is. Occasionally I'll see people check in and people check out and they're in a completely different frame of mind. As a, as a friend, as a, as a colleague in, in the industry, can I just congratulate you on identifying something so special, realizing a vision that's, that's economically and environmentally sustainable, that is that has put a new destination into the the realm of possibility for people right that yeah. that it's now do we consider going here where in the in the past in the t- touristic sense it was a blank spot in the map that's not everybody that can pull that off congratulations thank you well gabo it's it's always fun to talk with you um Diddle, man. It's been too long since I've seen you in the flesh, but I think I'll see you in Cuenca here pretty soon. Uh, yeah, not further than that. That'll be in October, and uh, yeah. I definitely look forward. Okay, well, Utah is calling, and uh, Utah is calling. We'll be your hosts when you come. That's awesome. Abrazo, man. Big Thanks. Hugs. Abrazos. Ciao. If you'd like to know more about custom travel in Latin America and the Antarctic, reach out to us at landedtravel.com. Since 2006, Landed success has been built on word-of-mouth referrals. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate the podcast or share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. 